Hello there, everybody. It's the Album Nerds Podcast. This is Dude. Got Andy with me as always. My friend Andy, are you there? Yes, indeedy, buddy. Welcome to the show, everyone. How's it going? What's new? What's shaking? What's popping? What's cracking? What's doing? Oh, God. <laughs> What's cracking? What have you been listening to that makes you say things like, What's cracking? <laughs> Probably nothing good. <laughs> Yeah, man. How you been doing? It's been a little while since we've talked. I've been digging into music a lot more than usual, even. Now, not only am I listening to it, I'm watching it. Um, I've been checking out this show. I've seen it before, but I found it on Amazon Prime Classic Albums. You ever hear about that? No. What's what's it about? Classic classic albums, maybe? It's a British it's a British documentary series about pop rock and heavy metal albums, like that are supposed to be some of the best, and they really dig in like to the recording of it, the songwriting, they interviewed the artists, they interviewed the producers, they're sitting behind the board, they're playing different tracks and like they like got into the weeds on like, oh, listen to this little guitar piece. So they turn everything down on yeah. a song you really know and then you just hear this ticket 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 ticket. Yeah, like, without that, the song wouldn't be as full, yeah. you know? It's really cool to see that side of it. But big stuff, Phil Collins, Face Value, U2, The Joshua Tree, Jimi Hendrix. Pink Floyd, The Dark Side of the Moon, on and on. Do they do like the uh, like the you know the the band drama? Is it like kind of behind the music, or is it more technical and like to focus on the music lore? I mean, at the beginning, they kind of do an overview of the band and their career up to that point. So some a little bit, uh-huh. but the band drama is really only in the context of the album. So like in the Fleetwood Mac rumors, I think a lot of people know this, but there were two couples in that band, Stevie Nicks and uh, Lindsey Buckingham, and then then uh, Christine McPhee and John McPhee. Anyway, those two couples were in the middle of breakups mm-hmm. while they were recording that album. For us to work together day after day after day with all of that tension, wow. um, and that which is part of what drove the songwriting, drove the drama behind it, and the general feeling of it, so... That kind. So, yes, they do get into it, but mostly when it's applicable to the album. Gotcha. Sounds cool. So, it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yeah. If you have Amazon Prime, you can look up classic albums. You'll find a bunch of them. I don't know if they have all of the episodes, but they have a ton. And then that leads down a rabbit hole of other music documentaries. there's so many about the Beatles and the Doors and all kinds of bands. And so I've kind of gotten lost in watching tons of those things. So that's what I've been doing. Yeah. I watched a good uh, Who documentary when we talked about one of their records earlier this year. Yeah. Amazon Prime has surprisingly good stuff on it. You just got to kind of find it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, if you find one thing you like, then usually their algorithms will help you find the next but then you may never return or get out of your bed. <laughs> so that's kind of what's been <laughs> happening to me. Yeah. All right, man. Well, speaking of music, maybe we get on on track here. Uh, what are we? What kind of stuff are we talking about today? Oh, we got a pretty wide variety again. Boy, I, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this first record here I picked out because I, I feel like it's going to be a bit of a doozy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, we got some metal and some country and some hip-hop and some 90s alternative rock so it's pretty much pretty much in our wheelhouse here i would say as the shows go 
playing it safe, but also having fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a, there's, and it's good stuff too. I mean, you know, always is good stuff. That's we're not we're not taking it easy on ourselves here. No, we try to so filter we get out the it? best of the best. All right, for my new release recommendation, we're talking about an artist from Toronto, Canada, a duo by the name of Black Dresses. They put out a record on Valentine's Day. Uh, the name of the record is Forever in Your Heart. We are going to play a cut from towards the middle of the record. This is We'll Figure It Out. As a little taste of the what I would call industrial metal stylings of black dresses. I think they, they incorporate in some elements of noise and kind of like glitch music as well. A lot of distortion and just aggression, I would say. Maybe some despair in there as well. Uh, interesting record. This is brand new to me just recently. Yeah. Uh, they've been getting a little buzz around this one, and they put out a record last year that got a little bit of buzz as well. Independently released, just up on Bandcamp right now if you're looking for them. Very different. Yeah, they're angry. They're younger kids. Imagine calm kids. They're younger. They're younger than we are, for sure. <laughs> they might probably be in their 20s at most, I would guess. Uh, not a lot of information out there about them in terms of biography, but I enjoyed the record after giving it many lessons. I knew there was something to it, and finally I got down to the root of it after probably a week or two of trying to figure it out. Um, I know they've gotten a lot of online harassment. They actually broke up last okay. year, and technically, I guess they're still broken up, but they put out a record. Okay. So this could be a reflection of, of all of that? Yeah. Uh, yes. Hard to say when this was recorded, but definitely they have a lot of experience a lot of animosity online i uh, even in canada thought people were nicer there maybe it's just from america <laughs> yeah, well, <the> <laughs> everywhere <laughs> people yeah the, now the, you know you can get abused or praised by the entire world <laughs> or a combination yeah i think a lot of it is like from what i understand is they just gotten a lot of spotlight put on them recently and they maybe didn't want that necessarily Mm -hmm. But, you know, those things do or can feed into music nicely and uh, I think put out some pretty interesting sounds here. I think what struck me most about the record is it can go from like very sort of like angry, grungy, really rough sounding metal music to like at a drop of a hat to like this beautiful, like sparkly, almost like pop music at times. I hear a lot of... Like electro pop kind of stuff, yeah. and then then uh, noise mm -hmm. beyond belief. And I think it's that unevenness that it's a it was a difficult listen, uh, especially more than once to get all the way through and and not have moments of my shoulders up or, up you know, <laughs> stressful. up on my head yeah. where it's just like okay okay. It's I think it's a combination of it being maybe too raw in terms of whatever they are feeling. That rawness comes through in the music, which just is a little tough 
perhaps if someone is going through something that's making them feel that way, this would be a a really good way to let that out or to to feel like you you've got uh, you're not alone. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what they use a lot of their music for. Is the impression I got is kind of dealing with some of these demons and uh, kind of self catharsis. They definitely have a lot to say, and I think they have an interesting way of saying it. It's not really like anything I've ever really heard before. I mean, there's elements of like industrial metal type things. Like, there's definitely a few guitar riffs that sound a little bit like Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the industrial thing when it first the the first wave of it in the early '90s. I mean, it was okay, but all in all, that sound has always grated my ears a little yeah. bit so i think it's kind of meant to no offense to <laughs> like yeah it's meant to be abrasive but, man it's not it's not easy music but yeah I, I really came to enjoy it pretty unique stuff so give it a listen if you're into that kind of electronic metal industrial sound nice andy so yes once again you assaulted my senses but i did survive <laughs> and did find some glimmers of hope and truth in it as well nice pick all right so i'm gonna go into my my well of the type of music that, that i really these days i'm just finding so much joy in a yeah. little bit of a sort of country independent country artist mac leapheart the album is called music city joke and we're gonna listen to a song called that train Someone else shit line around Another dingy old apartment Dirty dishes in the sink Same old place, just in another town And I still ain't caught that train Don't know how much longer I can Alright, so that was Mac Leapheart with the song That Train from the album Music City Joke. I don't have a whole bunch on this, man. Mac Leaphart is an artist from South Carolina. He was a bartender and part-time musician and then decided to go full bore and try and make it as a singer-songwriter. Moved to Nashville in 2012. Tried writing songs for other artists. Had limited success with that, apparently. Thus, I think the album Music City Joke and the, on the album cover, he has a kick me sign on his yeah. back because I think he got yes. kind of kicked around by the industry. I think this is like his third or fourth album. And this one was produced and engineered by Brad Jones. And Mac Leapart did most of the writing with co-writing credits going to his producer and uh, Aaron Rattiri, I think is pronounced. I've got a quote from Mac to kind of explain who he is. He says, I'm a journeyman musician who spent a decade on the southeastern bar band scene before settling in Nashville. I moved here with the idea of writing some of these those big hits you hear on country radio. It wasn't too long before I realized there's a lot that goes into writing a smash hit than just songwriting. <laughs> I wasn't chuckling at Nashville anymore. The joke was on me. So <laughs> that was pretty much um, his, his feeling. Uh, Andy... I, I obviously I like this or I wouldn't be recommending it. What was your first impression? Well, you know, like I listened to it a handful of times over the last few weeks, and my initial thought looking back on it was like, ah, I didn't really love it. But as I went into the individual tracks and kind of like on a case by case basis, I really enjoyed the majority of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess I was overall fairly positive on it. Um, yeah, 
I, after first listen, I'm listening to it the first time, I was already singing along with the songs as they were playing for the first time. It's simple, mm-hmm. but there's some really cool John Priney stuff. I, I know in your notes you mentioned John Prine as well, but I definitely heard that. Yeah. It's gruff. It's clever. Right. It's simple. Like, well, that train. I mean, that song is is about. I still have the dirty dishes in the sink and the the regular old life. I still haven't made it to that next level, but I'm going. I'm going to. The turn of phrase is just nice, especially in a country setting. The train's coming back as a vehicle to to uh, memory, and mm-hmm. it's, it feels like an empty southern mm-hmm. um, environment and. Uh, El Paso Kid, the opening track, interesting little story about a kid that's left on a curb when he's born and has a a hard life, but the people that have it the hardest are are the that have a special place in heaven, right, you know. Right. That kind of just it's folksy. Um what did you think about Window from the Sky? Do you like that song? Uh, I don't know, it's the one song I don't have any notes on. I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't okay. memorable for me. Well, so what what caught me about it is it's like about this bird that keeps crashing into this window because it can't tell the window from the sky. Oh, that's interesting. So just like that's a perfect example of the kind of little lyrical tricks with very simple things mm-hmm. that relate to the human condition. And you know me and my human condition when it comes <laughs> to this kind of music. And I need some. I need it drawn out for me in simple terms that yeah. I can understand. And this does that. I thought. Um Along those lines, uh, Blame on the Bottle, the third track. Yeah. Though the message is That's like I've one. heard a thousand times on these records, but he had a kind of interesting twist on it in that, you know, the booze doesn't drink itself, essentially. You know, you gotta, yeah. you're a part yeah. of the equation here <laughs> and you're in your own problems. So I, I thought that was one of the stronger songs on here. Um, there also was that kind of odd track i guess towards the middle of the record uh the ballad of bob oh. yamaha or something 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 yeah it's ballad of bob yamaha or a simple plea in c major yeah and it's like it's a Love very loose song it's like these little spoken word passages <laughs> he does kind of like an intro and an outro and then there's a little, there's a musical part to it it's got a good sense of humor yeah. to it that's kind of when i heard that i was like oh this is kind of what i want the record to be i guess a little bit more uh, well, tongue in cheek, a little bit more sort of focused on the humor, I guess. I I like the moments of humor like that. I don't want the whole thing that way. Then it's just a then he's just a comedy performer. Well, I mean, the album's called Music City Joke. He has a kick me sign on him. Like, uh, I guess I kind of expected it a little bit more than than what we well, got. So did did you pick up did you pick up the story of Bob Yamaha when you're listening? Uh, so of, Bob yeah. Yamaha is. Go on. He's a guitar. So the song is from the perspective of this old it's guitar. Been played well, right? Been owned by different people. A girl that was into Lilith Fair stuff in the 90s, then her sister who wanted to play like Taylor Swift. Yeah. And then just it got handed off to different people, sold over the years to different people, and never got played that well. But my favorite part in that song is when he's speaking from this perspective of a guitar. And he's like, here's my buddy. He's a harmonica. And then the harmonica starts playing in the song, and I just thought it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was really, it was really unique. And I thought the rest of the album isn't also creative, but I thought that was particularly so. Yeah, I'd never heard of him before. I stumbled on it 
with all the constant searching that I do for new things to listen to. And I really, really, really enjoyed this album. I highly recommend it for anyone that's into this this gruff sort of Americana country stuff. Simple, fun, and just the kind of dude I'd love to see play at a little bar somewhere. So that was Mac Leaphart. The album is Music City Joke. Please do check it out. All right, all right, all right. So those are our new release recommendations. Now we're going to dig into some older material. Got picks from our collections. Old dogs. For my old dog selection. Not going too far back. Um, but we are going to talk about some Aesop Rocky, who I don't think we've ever talked about on the show before. I'm not a huge fan of his catalog, but his debut mixtape that came out in 2011 titled Live Love ASAP, I think is pretty special. We are going to play a bit from the first cut, which is entitled Palace. Stone cold love, rose gold slugs. I could afford it, I import it. Stone cold drugs, stone cold rolling stone. I'm a stone nigga. Write it on my tombstone, I was stoned, nigga Don't remember me as a wannabe New Orleans, nigga, slash lean Sippin' Tennessee, nigga, nah Influenced by Houston All right, so this is the debut mixtape from the Harlem, New York native ASAP Rocky uh, can, I, can I cut in for a second? This is the Album Nerds podcast, not the Mixtape Nerds podcast, am I right? <laughs> Yeah, what is the difference between an album and a mixtape, really? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's we can what do I want to know. On that. It's a, I mean, it's a full length record, man. It's like what, fifty three minutes. It ain't no, it ain't no EP. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right, so I think what maybe makes this more mixtapey it was it's his first release. It wasn't out on a label or anything. It was just released on the internet. Right. Um, still available download for free if you're interested um has a wide array of production on it that at the time was pretty exciting and if you were big into hip-hop in the early 2010s it's got producers such as clams casino ty beats we've talked about him before (laughs) have we talked about clams casino (laughs) oh yeah you don't forget clams casino (laughs) i I think the last time i was talking about uh other appetizers that you could have (laughs) Yeah. Crab Rangoons is my <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my name. Uh Space Ghost Perp would be the other kind of big name, but there's a, a variety of producers on this record who would go on to be some notoriety, at least on the internet. Yeah, it incorporates elements of kind of East Coast New York City hip hop, but I think the heaviest influence would be hip-hop from like the houston texas area slowed down woozy production style uh you familiar with the hip-hop term chop and screw buddy you don't don't know all chopping and screwing in your day <laughs> come on i you, you know you're you're talking to the wrong fella here yeah i know i don't i don't know the te- i don't know the technical terms behind most of hip-hop so you're just gonna have to educate us all uh well i think we'll hear a little bit in the next track we play, it's basically just uh, slowing down a typical hip hop beat. It's usually more in like the 60 to 7, 70 BPM, which is pretty slow. Also involves 
chopping up tracks and maybe adding some glitching and some stuttering to it. Okay. Comes from Texas, primarily is what it's known for. Anyway, so for me, this was really more of a guilty pleasure record. Primarily just about partying, women, nothing really particularly interesting lyrically going on. I think his flow and the production are what you come to this record for. And on those, on those accounts, I think it hits it out of the park. Love the sound of this record overall. What do you think, my friend? Yeah, I mean, I think that th- these are the kind of hip-hop albums that I don't enjoy. I mean, you know that I'm not a big rap guy in general, but there are things that come along. I I look for storytelling, uh, you know, same elements I look for in, in country music and, and rock music. Mm-hmm. I want lyrics that, even if I can't relate to it directly, but I can be informed or educated in some way. I'm looking for for something like that, and, and, and this just doesn't have those elements. Not that that makes it bad. It just isn't for, for this guy. Gotcha. He's got he's one kind of interesting twist to his lifestyle. Is he, he's fairly fashion conscious. He, I think he actually has a line of clothing now that he puts out, and he was part of like this collective called the Aesop Mob, which was kind of put together in about 2007 or so in New York City. That was musicians, but also visual artists, fashion designers, film producers, just kind of a wide array of different creative types in New York City. And he was part of that crew. So I think he, he's not just about your typical rap, you know, drug dealer, womanizer type thing. There's a little bit broader of a sense of art to him, I guess. So it's more about the sound than than, than the words? Yeah, oh, yeah, the, definitely, the, definitely. The style. He was... Okay. You really picked out these producers specifically because of the sound that they were putting out. And the record, though, it has, I would say, is very consistent in terms of its sound. It's very woozy. Yeah, why don't we play a bit of Trilla, which is about halfway through the record. Yeah, we'll hear a little bit of his lyrical style here a little bit more than on the first song. So that really like slowed down vocal there that you pretty much hear throughout the entire record. Mm-hmm. Is a part of like that chop and screw style from from Houston. Okay. I do like his voice, and I like his name, too. I think his name's cool. Aesop Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so everybody in the mob is like Aesop something or other, for the most part, I think. There's quite a few. Not, I think Aesop Rocky is by far the most prominent, and he's still putting out music today. Um, but I think this record in particular is my definitely my favorite of his. It's really kind of a... It, the sound that they have on this record, I haven't really heard a lot like this recently in hip-hop i think it's kind of like a one-off even his later material doesn't really harken back to this i really love it i listen to it still fairly regularly and boy when this shit came out man i was pumping this all the time yeah well you know it's a good a good vibe hip-hop record for sure so if you're interested in that or if you're interested in like southern hip-hop i think this is a pretty good album to, to go to uh, so once again, ASAP Rocky, Live Love ASAP, came back, came out back in 2011. All right, so I'm going back to 1991 
to more of a sort of funky vibe here with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But we're going to listen to their very best album, Blood Sugar Sex Magic from 1991. We're going to start with Breaking the Girl. Alright, so that was Breaking the Girl from Blood Sugar Sex Magic from 1991. The Red Hot Chili Peppers are a funk rock band formed in Los Angeles in 1983. And they've got elements of alternative rock, funk, punk, psychedelic. This was their fifth album. Did you know that this was their fifth one, Andy? I knew they had a fair amount of material before this, yeah. Yeah, so they, they kind of struggled through the 80s to get uh, to get attention um their second album was produced by George Clinton. They thought that would be their breakthrough. Mm. Uh, but they were they were kind of plagued by drug issues between different members. Uh, Hillel Slovak, the, guitar, the original guitarist who passed away from an overdose yeah. early on um, before this album. So uh, John, Fru- John Frusanti, this is his second album with the Chili Peppers, but he came on mm-hmm. uh, for Mother's Milk in 89. They and then they they lost their drummer Jack Irons. He left after all that stuff, and and Anthony Kiedis, the lead singer, was still struggling with a heroin addiction. Mm. And Jack Irons ended up in Pearl Jam eventually. So Rick Rubin got his hands on them after Anthony Kiedis was clean, and this album was put together. It took their kind of chaotic sound, and Rick Rubin channeled. As he does, their craziness. Does. That's what he's known for. Man. They recorded it in a in a uh, in a mansion. They lived in this mansion and just stayed there the whole time and recorded this album. No distractions. I I mean, when it came out, "Under the Bridge," of course, was the huge hit. "Give It Away," and I was fascinated by it. I hadn't heard of them before. I mean, I'd heard of them. I hadn't heard them. Uh, I'd seen Lollapalooza T-shirts with their name on it, but I didn't really know much about them until. This album started going big. Uh, I remember going to a record store and looking at the cover of it and just being fascinated. I didn't know much about them. I just I ca- I saw the cover. I'm like, what the hell is this? And then I heard "Breaking the Girl," which, as the song continues, gets weirder and weirder in the way that it's played instrumentally. Yeah, like it's pretty cool by the end of it. Actually, the percussion parts. There yeah, is the the weird. way that. Yeah, it starts just crashing down with cymbals and, and is chaotic. And if you've ever seen the video, it's these guys with turtlenecks pulled up over their heads and they're flailing around in the desert. Okay. Um, River Phoenix is among those guys. Hmm. In the video, he was friends with the band. Interesting. They're kooks. And most of this album is about sex. Yeah. <laughs> no, they don't really mask it at all. It's, it's pretty clear, especially in some no. songs. <laughs> Now, these are guys in their 20s at the time, uh, kind of at their creative peak, I think. I mean, I, they made some good albums after this, but like Californication, for instance. But this one was before they grew up. Mm-hmm. At Californication, you can hear some lessons, hard lessons learned. And you can start to hear that with Under the Bridge on this album. Right. But there's still this 
reckless, youthful abandon that is part of the chaos that I think makes it so good. However, a little long. I think you'll agree on that. I would agree. That'd be my strongest criticism on the record is after you get past Under the Bridge, which is track 11, it gets a little bit, a little questionable, but... We got 17 tracks here, and this is kind of, I blame the, the CD, the, the music industry at the time. Albums were too long. I would have looked at the time, I was like, right on, 50 minutes or whatever. That's great. I love it. More songs, the better. But now, as I've grown up, I would have preferred two shorter albums because there were other songs that weren't, that didn't make the album. That would have been my preference. Keep it fresh, keep it moving. But this was just the CD era because you could fit a lot of songs on it. And yeah, I, I, you know, Naked in the Rain, track 12, Apache Rose Peacock, I think is cool and funky. But then the greeting song and stuff, it kind of, I, I, I'm like, I love those songs because I've loved this album for so long. I remember in 95 telling a friend of mine that this was a classic album. They said, that's too soon. I'm like, it's a classic album, period. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah, you know, if you if you had asked me just like off off the cuff if this was a classic record, in my opinion, I would say yes. But then going back to it, like, man, you gotta you gotta cut out about twenty minutes of it, I think, to really get like the classic parts, in my opinion. So Psycho Sexy is almost ten minutes long. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a mess. But it, so you know, usually if you've run out of energy by track fourteen or so, you're good because you already got all the best stuff. So yeah. no problem. The rest is for us dedicated hardcores that will continue to listen. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely front-loaded. I wouldn't argue with that. And I think that if you listen to it sequentially as an album, the, all the good songs are fairly well put together. I think when you get to track 12, if you cut it off there, everything else could very easily be like a B-side or you know released later on as like an extra or something like that. It seems intentional by Rick Rubin to do it that way. I, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, he knows what he's doing. Um, they had more songs to choose from, including Soul to Squeeze, which ended up on the Coneheads soundtrack. Love that song, <laughs> but from the same recording sessions. Okay. Um, they're Red Hot, the final track, track 17, one minute. It was uh, from the bluesman Robert Johnson. I think they just took it. It's weird. They're Red Hot. Yeah. But I think it's just because they're the Red Hot Chili Peppers and they wanted to they, do it. You know, yeah. <laughs> so. this isn't unique to this record either. Like A lot of the records have these like little weird ditties on him that just are just their personality i guess they're just kind of goofy yes guys. yeah the personality is all over this thing starting off with the power of equality funky monks mellow ship slinky and b major is a weird little funky song the righteous and the wicked kind of kicks your ass and of course give it away and then the title track is great but what he, uh, i really like you know under the bridge is the well-known yeah that was the big single of you know ballad but what did you think about um, I Could Have Lied? I, I like that song quite a bit, too, actually. it's uh, It starts out in that same vein, but then it picks it up a little bit as it gets further in. Yeah. Yeah, it's about a relationship. But I, I really dig that that part of Anthony Kiedis's voice, which was new to him for this yeah. album. They didn't do a lot of that before. You know, his voice has been a thing of debate <laughs> music fans for a long time. I think it works okay when he slows it down a little bit and isn't trying to do like that punchy almost rap delivery he does in a lot of other songs it's not he doesn't have a huge range to it or anything but it sounds fine i mean we're primarily listening to these songs for like 
Flea's bass and and John's guitar, I think, are are the two real yeah special parts of this group. Let's speaking of that, why don't we jump into okay. "Suck My Kiss," which I guess that wasn't the original title. <laughs> I'll let you figure it out. Here we go. Suck my kiss. So that's what I really wanted to get to, yeah. the music there. That, uh, that is purely John and uh, Flea. And Chad yeah. Chad Smith's drumming is great too. But I mean, as great as John and, and Flea are there, I think that's kind of like the magic of Rick Rubin there because that song would have fit in on Mother's Milk more or less. But it's just been like they got rid of some of the – I don't know. There's something about their sound. It's like more of like a metal guitar, I think, on, on the earlier records. Yes. I think the, the the funk metal fusion was less fused and more like kind yeah. of banging against each other a little bit on Mother's Milk. And that, like right there, that sounds perfect. <laughs> it's blended perfectly. Yeah, and the Suck My Kiss thing, yeah, it does, I think you almost like... <laughs> blurs the lines a little bit there on on the lyric a few times as he goes along but suck my kiss i think is even more lyrically effective if it was what i think it was originally that's just right crass. yeah i agree and that's that's kind of my complaints with some of the later shit on this material on this record is like it's so crass and in your face it's almost like sleazy i guess i don't know it's like uh you know i mean you know that they're talking about doing it and by it i mean <laughs> sex but <laughs> But in a torrid and crazy and chaotic and the music fits and the lyrics fit where it's dirty. But yeah, I mean, to me, it's their best album. I've loved it for a long, long time now. I don't even want (laughs) to do the math. Yeah. You know, you know what it is. It is. 30 years. Incredible album. Yes, it's very immature, but it's not a bad thing in a in a great way. So if you haven't heard it in its totality, all 17 tracks, regardless of the couple at the end, maybe you'll love them. You should go check out Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic. It is a classic. <laughs> ha ha on you, college friend that disagreed. All right, man. Well, that is a good record. I'm glad we got finally to talk about it. It was fun going back to it, as is often the case with our old dog selections. Good to dust these guys off once in a while and kind of relive a period in music. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for our show today. What did you think of these records? We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email, podcast.albumnerds.com, or leave us a voicemail, 585-210-2454. Subscribe to and download the show in all the usual places. Spotify is a great place. Uh, if you'd like to do us a solid, if you're an Apple person on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. And uh, five stars, if you're so inclined. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Album Nerds. And uh, speaking of Spotify, we also do have playlists of all the tracks that we talked about on the show. So please do check that one out. This is episode 122. Really appreciate a donation. We do spend a little bit of money doing, doing this every year. 
or every show. Go to elmers.com slash support. Toss a few bucks on PayPal. We'd appreciate it. Um, but without uh, any further ado, we'll be back in a couple weeks with a couple more album recommendations. Uh, look forward to uh, chatting then. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you in a couple more weeks. Peace. Peace.